Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yes, a Stripper Podcast. This is a bit of a different episode because this is our first time ever doing a recording with a non-stripper. Sean, who is our guest, is actually a bouncer. Well, he was a bouncer. And Sean and I have some history. We actually worked together here in a club in Los Angeles. And then we found out later that we knew each other through other mutual friends. And we've maintained a relationship, like a friendship online on Instagram and and kept in touch. And he told me some things about his past that I wasn't aware of. But something happened between Sean and I in the club that we worked at together in Los Angeles. And I want to give you a little warning. Um, There is a sexual assault story in this podcast. Um, Sean was the bouncer, a customer. The, The sexual assault happened between me and a customer. And that's if you want to call it sexual assault. I'm not really sure what to call it. <laughs> so, um, but you'll, you'll understand when you listen. But I do want to let you know that trigger warning. And, and when I do get into that conversation, I also um, I give a warning then as well. So, you know, this is a really candid, authentic conversation. And, um, you know, between me and Sean. And, and I, I asked him some really hard questions because... The bouncers and the staff, they stole our money too. It wasn't just the managers. Like they were complicit. They were in on it. And and you know what? We all let it happen. And it was just a different time. And so I really asked him questions to get down to the bottom of like, well, did you even know? Did you even think about this? Like, what did you see? You know, because we look back and we see all of the things very clearly. And so I really probed him. So I think he did really well. And um You know, he's a very thoughtful, caring person, um, which is refreshing. So I hope you enjoy this uh, slightly different episode. And uh, let me know what you think, okay? This is our first non-stripper. Please welcome Sean. Hey. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? All right, and yourselves? I'm doing good, actually. Today is a busy day. I like busy. I really like busy. What about you? Yeah, especially in these times, it's really keeping me in my zone and yeah. not letting me drift too much. That's great. So let's let everyone understand who you are if you're not a stripper and why you're on a podcast all about strippers. So you guys, Sean is a strip club bouncer. Uh, more like was, but what? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we all was something in the strip club yeah yeah (laughs) right now there's nothing going on but yeah um can you give our audience a little background on you and your career and where where you live and where you work and whatever you feel like sharing in that department sure i'll try not to run off too much feel free to tell me to pump the brakes when necessary Uh, i'm based in los angeles and in 2007 i was you know 
freshly joined into the SAG after, or it was only SAG at the time, struggling actor, getting my feet wet and seeking out jobs. I had worked one security job prior at a venue that's no longer in existence. And then I answered an ad for a strip club that said, hey, we are opening our day shift back up and we're hiring security. I went in, did the interview. Next thing I knew, I had a job in a strip club on the day shift. And then from there, I ended up joining up the night teams and getting sucked into the nightlife. Yeah. And it turned into kind of a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah, it is a wild ride. It's a wild ride. It's interesting that you said you only had, how long did you have that other security job before you became a bouncer at the strip club? That was maybe a month at most. Really? So you were like a very inexperienced. Oh, yeah. And they took very you. Fresh. Was that surprising to you that you got the job? No, because over the years, even when I was what? Barely past 21 at the time. Leading up to those days, people are always saying, oh, you're kind of big for your size. And yeah. That's kind of how that manager recruited me. He thought, hey, you know, you got some size on you. You want to try this out? And I said, yeah, sure. Cause yeah. I don't even know how this works, but I've heard about bouncer work and sounded yeah. like it'd be, you know, profitable enough to survive on. Yeah. And it was, wasn't it? For those days, yes. <laughs> yeah, for those days. Did you notice a decline? Why do you say those days? Because I, I noticed the same thing. So I'm just curious. Did you experience a decline in, in your income over time? Over time, yes, because this was kind of just after 9-11. No, wait. This was a little prior, actually. Was it? No, this was after. 2008, things got weird for all of us, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was cool, you know, getting that wage in, making some side money, and then joining that quality club that we met at yeah. was a big change. And my mind was blown, however, with how their system worked, because little did I know every club works different. Right. And eventually we saw, you know, who was really trying to control all that money and how they really wanted to divvy it up and make sure not everybody was spoiled at the same time who got their rightful due. And this was kind of when webcams were about to really blow up. Yeah. Uh, people weren't even doing online or video auditions yet. Whereas uh, not everyone knew about, you know, streaming and so forth. Yeah. So, when I entered that club, it was kind of the peak of that industry at the time, whereas a lot of the entertainment and music was starting to hint like, all right, we're going to tap into this more, maybe, you know, exploit it more. Yeah. And eventually the environment changed a bit. A lot of spenders weren't the same. Yeah. There was a lot of fresh young people coming in just, you know, quick night of fun and yeah. not quite. Not everyone can afford a lifestyle to have fun like that all the time, of course, unless you're yeah. filthy, filthy rich or really just addicted. And we saw new waves of younger entertainers coming in, inexperienced and 
maybe not even the type that that club wanted to hire. And I had barely like came around or explored a lot of the clubs in LA before that, just yeah. knew of topless and nude clubs. And yeah. So just to give yeah. some context to the audience. So Sean and I used to work together. Uh, I was a stripper. He was a bouncer and it's, it's just one of the ways we know each other. We actually know each other through other mutual friends through the strip club industry. And there was a period of time, there was six months for me, where I worked at a pretty high-end um, club in Los Angeles, and that's where I, I met Sean. And that club was, it was a nude club. Um, and uh, it was an interesting club. That club was one of the few, I don't care, I'm just going to say it, get, uh, had bed mm-hmm. dances. Um, and that was my first time experiencing doing lap dances with the client laying completely flat on their back. That was really new. So one of the things that you had said a minute ago, Sean, was that like you saw a new way of like how money was kind of divvied up and who was going to make what and who was going to get their due. Something that I don't think a lot of strippers think about or even patrons think about is that you guys have your own inner working system within the staff because you're all also trying to make as much bread as possible and it gets a little shady yeah definitely the word for it (laughs) yeah so can you speak a little bit to that about like what that was what that's like and like what what you saw as far as and also try to tie in like how they were actively trying to get more money out of the dancers to put them into the staff's pocket. Oh, for that venue, I was getting my wage and then a set tip for every night of the week that I work or every shift. Yeah. While to our knowledge, they would charge you dancers your house fees and take your cut or their cut from your dance money. And as far as I knew, the tip pool was always about percentages. And they even took a cut from the DJ just to have that pool of money ready to tip everyone out every week. The DJ also went to the bouncers? The DJ had to tip the bouncers? The DJ had to kick down a cut of his tips from the dancers to the tip pool, which he loved to remind us and hold over our heads. He was cool, but... Yeah, that's how that system works. You, didn't they? Didn't the dancers also tip you, the bouncers? Uh, at this particular venue, not directly. It all went to a pool first. Got it. And then management would give us our little envelope at the end of the week. Yeah. And there it was. And when eventually the money started changing, of course, they tried to raise house fees. They tried to charge more for dances because they couldn't charge more for cover. Right. While they were trying to figure out ways to keep customers coming back or find new customers that were willing to spend the money. And therefore, they could keep everyone, you know, kind of in their pocket and in their right. palm. So were you ever privy to those conversations? Like, hey, we're going to have to start charging the dancers more house fee because... The economy is not as good and we're not making as much money as we used to and we have to figure out how to make more money yeah and it wasn't really you know much of a a private thing it was you know openly known to all staff and entertainers that they were trying to keep up with the market and the competition and so forth plus maintain their standard and their reputation they don't at the same time they wanted to 
they don't come to us and tell us, have you seen that? There's, there's, where they come to us and tell us, hey, we're raising your house fee and why to save the club. They don't have those conversations with us. Uh, to my knowledge, I thought they had, because I know no. they would have separate meetings with dancers and separate meetings with staff. They never told us stuff like that. They would tell mm, you. I see. See, that's the thing. That's what we, one of the things that we want to get to on this particular episode is that we are divided from each other, even though we're the workers. So because we're different types of workers and even though we shouldn't be. Especially after the law changes too. Well, it's, it's already changed. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And so that's the, and, and, you know, and so we're going to talk about a story between you and I that happened and it's to, it's to kind of prove a point in that. And also I want to preface this whole thing with saying everything that we did back then we were learning. It was a, it was a time where um, strippers didn't have their voices. It was a time where, there just wasn't a lot of conversations about like me too didn't exist. And there just wasn't a lot of open public conversation. Like there is now about consent, assault, rape, what to do and how to protect people. Um, so this is the part of the episode where we're going to mention, um, a small level assault that happened to me. So if any, this is your trigger warning for anybody that has, so Sean, I'm going to tell the story and then we're going to talk about it. Okay. Cause I don't want you to think I'm like hogging the airwaves, but not at all. It's your yeah, show. Yeah. Come on. No, it is, but you're the guest. Um, so, okay. So here's the story. So, um, we're working at this club, um, and it was a two for one or some shit like that. And, um, I walked up to this guy who was standing up and he had like a button down shirt on, like looked like he came from the office and, um, and I was like, hey, do you want this two for one? And he's like, yeah. And so we just go and we sit down in the in the topless booth area. And everyone's in there. Every booth is filled. And as soon as we sit down, I noticed he had bicycle pants on. Like thin, like what you wear to ride a fucking bicycle. And so I was so confused. I'm like, you have an office shirt on with bike pants. Like I didn't even look at his pants. Because if I had seen his pants before then, I wouldn't have brought him back there because the men that wear the really thin pants, you know what they want when they wear the really thin pants. And so, yeah, exactly. Tiss, tiss, tiss. And so we sat down and I'm like, and I go, what, did you ride your bike here or something? Like I was pissed. And he was like, huh, yeah. And I was like, eh, um, this is weird. And so I proceeded to lap dance for him anyway. And I made sure to be extra very careful because I didn't want to arouse him too much because his pants were too thin. I didn't want to feel his wiener on my body, <laughs> especially for only $20 for two songs. Like that You can was only do so much to keep him in that chair. But I wasn't getting yeah. enough for those pants. Mm -hmm. So... So I do the dance and boundaries. I'm like, exactly. And I'm really trying to like not arouse him. And then I do this. It was like, it's a classic AMD move. So I like put my knee on the couch so that my body is facing sideways to him. And I swoop down to do like a cat pounce type maneuver, you know, face down, ass up. And as I did that, I felt wet smear go all down my chest on my tits and I 
flew into a rage because I knew that I had this stranger's semen on my body. And I stood up against the wall and I didn't look at him and I demanded my money. And again, the room is packed. There's everyone's in there dancing. And I'm like, just give me my fucking money. Give me my money. Like, give me the money now. And he gave me the money and I went into the bathroom and I was like, being so dramatic, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> wiping, like spraying water on myself from the sink. And the house mom was there trying to help me. And I was just devastated. And I walked up to, I can't remember if it was you first or the manager, but I went to each of you separately. I believe it was me because I had to put the call in. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So I came to you and your response was something like, well, why did you let him take it out? Or at what point did he take it out? Like it was, and it was, all, that was the manager's response as well. That it was somehow something I had done to have that be a consequence. And I was very upset by that. I think I was more upset that my story wasn't taken seriously. And the response I got was like a pat on the head, go home, take a shower and, and sleep it off. That was like what I got. And I went home and cried in the shower and then did cocaine from 4am to 4pm with my friends in the valley. <laughs> oh man. That's how I slept it off. What do you remember? I may have mistakenly said something like that, but I don't recall it. I remember just seeing you being traumatized and just calling into the staff or management on the radio. Hey, uh, should I say your old dancer name? Does it matter? Yeah, you can say it. Jersey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just called in. Hey, uh, Jersey's got a situation over here. And, uh, yeah. First time dealing with a situation like that and yeah. trying to be comfortable not comforting to the situation right. plus do the job and stay maturely professional about it was sure. in my mind. So all I could do was call it into the management, let them, you know, get your, your story on it and right. see how they wanted to handle it all while. I just remember you running up to me. Saying, hey, I just took a bird bath and yeah. This just happened, and that club was known in the past for taking care of business the old-fashioned way, but sadly, in California, that doesn't really work right anymore, and yeah. in general, yeah, it's not right to... violence shouldn't be used. Right, and... Um, it usually just turns into a whole other mess, so nothing got to there. Yeah, he just while... I think he just bounced. I don't think you even saw him, did you? barely yeah like you got to point him out to me but he was gone and yeah and here's it my, happened so fast it did it did happen very fast I, actually it happened so fast i didn't even know that he had come in his pants until it was on me that's how fast it happened and i remember thinking to myself how in the gosh darn how did that even happen i barely touched him because i was so paranoid about feeling his wiener flopping around on my legs i i remember trying really hard specifically not to arouse him, which is why I was totally thrown and confused. But here's my question to you. Do they train you for that? Do they have conversations with you about that as part of the job? 
Not specifically. They'll just state the rules, but not how to handle something like that. What are the rules? What rules do they give you? Make sure customers, you know, keep their clothes on and the contact is within legal limits and that dancers aren't conducting any illegal activity in the process because depending on the licenses of the clubs, there's a level of what kind of contact is allowed and so forth. Yeah, but you and I both know that that's bullshit. There was plenty of service happening in that club. So that yep. The industry, depending on the environment or who you're working with, how they want to make their money, who's making the right favors will get their way. Yeah. And I wanted to add, of course, the minute a manager would hear something like that happening, their first thought is, was the girl doing something she wasn't supposed to do? Yeah. And that's kind of parallel to real life and yeah. general interactions between the opposite or just sexual interaction. A lot of people don't get, you know, there's consent, there's things you should or should not, or not should, but there's things you shouldn't do while you're trying to have fun. There's a right way of going about it. And there's things that you just shouldn't even try. Yeah. Well, so, but they never had like, they never had trainings for if, if a dancer comes to you, if a customer assaults a dancer, here's what you do. That, that no, particularly, no. But don't you find that ridiculous considering sure do. I can't have been the only dancer that you saw something happen to. Definitely they could change how these things get handled, let alone how they should be prevented. Right. Yes, prevented is key. Yeah. Do you have any ideas on how that type of behavior could be handled or prevented based on your experience? Based on my experience, I'd say it's mainly staying on top of the team and making sure everyone's on the same page Yeah. and not cutting any slack for, you know, customer or dancer because, yeah. Yeah. The name of the game is hustle and yeah. there's tips and there's bribes. That's the main thing. And people will forget that very easily if they're flashed the right amount of cash. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's just corrupt basically. Just, I remember there was this one young like college kid and he would purposely wear basketball shorts or gym clothes all the time, but eventually I told him, Hey, sorry, man, just keep your pants on, you know, and we know you're clothed, but the girls ain't having it or we're not having it. And most of them would cooperate. I remember one knucklehead, he had some really ripped jeans, but in the oddest places and like specifically right below, you know, his crotch. Oh and then we realized it's like, oh, he just made a hole for easy access. Yes. <laughs> but that was a one-time occurrence. We never really saw that happen after that. Some genius over there. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very, very innovative, man. Yeah, totally. The, the basketball shorts, though, get me because they're slippery and shiny, you know, and that thing just rolls around under there. They know what they're doing. I hated it. Guys know what they're out for. They'll try to make, you know, their experience as fun as they can for themselves, whether their provider is willing or not. I know. I know. Um, well, I do appreciate you having that conversation with me, especially in public, because um, just to let everyone know, you and I have never talked about that. 
Yeah, that's a first. And I remember, you know, leading up to this uh, session, you asked me, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And I very well did because it's like, how do I bring that up with you? It's like, do I express my sympathy for you? Right. Did you put that out your head? Did you get past it? And right. I remember yeah. I hadn't seen you for years and then I ran into you at Jumbo's and I was like, yeah. hey, do you remember that 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 phrase you coined? She's like, no, what did I say? It's like, we're in a black collar business. He's like, what do you mean black collar? It's like, oh, we're not blue collar. We're not white collar. We're in this industry. It's like, I oh, I get it. Yeah, you said that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. But uh, that put it in perspective from then on. It's like, yeah. That's what this is. It's true. It's very different from anything else out there. It's very different. And that's probably, I was probably awakening to that because that that time in that particular club, I was trying to transition out of stripping. I was very, I, that, that was the time when I really noticed the deterioration of the industry um, when it was like fully apparent to me. It was in like 2004 and five. And I was like, this, it can't stay here much longer. Um, so can I add on this? Yeah. Moment? Uh, this was kind of the time when it was almost the bubble had already burst. Yeah. When I joined that job, most of the dancers were, you know, mature, model-esque, yeah. very fit, very professional, really about just, you know, working the room and their time, not, not messing around. Yeah. And we had what, maybe 30 to 40 dancers on a weekend night in that venue. Per shift, yeah. And then eventually a lot of those dancers had to start going to other cities where they knew like, hey, I make better money there. Yeah. I can still afford the trip. All while we were getting uh, new young dancers fresh out of their operations and having no idea how the industry works and the etiquette amongst, you know, the dancers and the staff, you yeah. know. And it's just different. The game was changed up and there was all the other, you know, outside factors that could have contributed as well. Yeah. But the one of the more inexperienced, like in my, in my current experience, what I'm finding is that, and what they tend to say is like, you know, y'all are dime a dozen. Like we can replace you with an eight, like five 18 year olds tomorrow, basically. And it's what I'm, what I've noticed is, yeah, that they want to just keep hiring the newer, younger, inexperienced dancers so they can condition them because people like me, I was like, oh, no, 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 you can't condition me. Like I was saying no. And I was putting my foot down about things. Like I remember specifically at that club, I, I didn't want to take my panties off if, if I wasn't getting paid on stage. And so you shouldn't. Right. But they were like, it's fucking mandatory. And they called me into the office and like, you need to take your panties off. Like, I don't care how many people in the room and how much money you're making. You need to take your panties off every time. And so I would time it and wait to the last like 10 seconds of the song. So I would like take my panties off a little bit and then I would take them off around my legs. And then the last 10 seconds, they would be off all the way and that was like I would get around it and any other like a baby stripper would have been like oh okay whatever you say but I had been right. around for a while and I wasn't afraid you know and I was like uh, I'll play your game like, that's what the smarter dancers knew because it's only fair if, if the, the the tips aren't flying like what are they gonna be on stage for they're not gonna be comfortable with letting it all out yeah and now with 
the modern platforms, entertainers really have that control now. Right. Yeah. Um, so something that you had mentioned to me um, leading up to getting ready for today is that um, you were doing the um, pickup artist stuff while oh, right. working at the strip club. Well, I wasn't totally doing or active in that world, but okay. just before I had gotten the job, friends kind of like clued me into it. It was like the new thing. And so can you explain yeah. exactly what it is for our audience in case they missed what I said? The pickup artist world and how would I say? They kind of call it a social science, I think is the proper term. And what they call it. <laughs> aside from basing it off the art of seduction, the right. name of a book and just the, the process of attraction and seduction was really broken down and publicized to a, the community that followed and was included. And several men that were very proficient in it started teaching it professionally to, you know, anyone that sought them out and proved themselves, you know, yeah. capable and worthy. Yeah. And that really sparked up some controversy aside from it was kind of opening men up to realize, all right, this is what is really how dating should work, or this is how I want my dating life to work. Right. And it was kind of where men were kind of getting their chance to turn the tables on females and say, okay, I can play games too. And now I'm on to, you know, how this, you know, battle of the sexes is going to work. Right. And hopefully it works more in my favor. So this is kind of before a lot of the major books were really published, but the one in particular, The Game by Neil Strauss had come out. So it was gaining some steam and then came the reality shows and other pickup artists that he had worked with were, you know, either branching out on their own and they kind of had their own, I don't want to say dramas, but they had some politics and conflicts in that world too. So how and, were you just like a person just like reading the stuff or were you involved in that like growth part of it? Or are you just learning? I was just trying to take in what I could and improve my life because, yeah. you know, dating in general and life in LA was kind of crazy yeah. and not everyone's you know on a different position on the playing field so they're trying to learn their advantages and yeah get some results whatever their situations were yeah and mainly this was a time when you know you know you're younger you think you're in love you lose someone hard to get over them yeah or you're just really trying to enjoy your life and get the best out of it and all of a sudden they present this, uh, you know, perspective and way of living to make it all seem like it's so achievable and it works out for you. And to get all the women, basically, and to, like, play games with yeah. them. I mean, didn't they teach you, like, gaslighting techniques? They, they 
definitely explained a lot of those processes. And <laughs> he taught you how to gaslight chicks, basically. I wasn't the greatest at all of it, granted. <laughs> I'll say that right now, because I was the last person that should have been learning any of that. And I remember you were much yeah. different back then than you are now. I do. I do. Oh yeah. And I, and I think I might have even known back then that you were into that. But how do you suppose that those things that you learned, like either carried with you or affected you working in a strip club with women that you essentially had some sort of authority over in some ways? What was that like? Oh, it's definitely made me remember, be very authentic in anything we do because people can see through bullshit and... Honestly, no one likes to be messed with. Right. But be I mean, especially strippers can see through bullshit. Especially strippers. Especially. Yeah. And like people, you know, whether you're making money with them or you're trying to connect with them, things just got to be legit. And yeah, manipulation will only get you so far without coming back to bite you in the ass later. Right. And, uh... Did you try any of those tactics on the strippers in any way? Like, no, nah, nothing major. I just mainly had fun with it and tried to be funny and you know yeah. humorous and at least appreciated or noticed. I tend to like attention until I can't handle it, and <laughs> sure. usually when it just comes on too too much, I'm like, all right, back to my hole. All while you know, there were a few that, yeah, I had some strong attractions for, but it never went too far and right. you know, never wanted to mess with anyone's feelings or take advantage of them. Well, I'm really curious as to what you've learned from working with strippers. Like, have you learned from those workers? Because my vibe from you is that you respect the workers and you care about the strippers. And that's just not the case with every staff. Um, and so I'm wondering if you've learned something from those women that you've worked with for so many years. Oh, yes. Uh, definitely got to keep up with the flow of whatever the situation is, because you never know which personality of someone you could be dealing with and yeah. how it's playing in that moment. And if anything, it's kind of trained me to see through a lot of people's bullshit too yeah like you can read people faster yeah it's, yeah uh, it's almost uh, i hate to say it it may have made me too jaded and blunt at times mm -hmm. or more like i just don't want to talk too much about certain things with most people in general yeah because it's it's so i don't want to say second nature but it became so normalized to me and yeah think about it almost what maybe seven years around a sexual environment, but not partaking can really affect someone's mind. Yeah, like what's that like? Like you just are around, you're like, you're a straight male with urges and you're around, like you, you know, you get horny, we all do. And you're around like these hot chicks acting super hot all the time and you don't get to hang out with them or do anything like, how do, what does that do to like your dating life also? Like, I'm, what, what about, do you tell your parents where you worked? Like, do you, would you bump up against the same kind of stuff that we do? 
Not so much for me, but like my family, they knew straight up what I was doing. Okay. I let them know when that all started. Yeah. And as far as dating, it complicated some things, but sure. not too bad. They just thought, oh, that must be exciting. And then they'd come through and be like, whoa, everyone's really naked here. Yeah. I mean, they're not fully naked walking around on the floor, but hey, it's a fun, legit business. Yeah. At least to civilian eye. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, total hedonism, Playboy Mansion, resort type right. thing. Yeah. It'd be cool if it was, but hey, yeah. that's another story. Yeah. Yeah. It's because and, like, it's, it's hard for us to be like, I'm a stripper. So I'm just wondering if it's like, you just, in social settings, you're just like, I'm a bouncer at a strip club. And, and like, what would that would you just come out? <laughs> sadly, or maybe not sadly, but strangely, I did so often. And some days I wish I'd kept it more hush. And like, even to my best of friends at the time, I wish I kept it a real secret life and made it more adventurous. Yeah. But eventually it was just like, hey, yeah, guys, come through if you want to hang. But they weren't about that. The few times that they did, they enjoyed it. But yeah. it was like, all right, yeah. Yeah. They just knew, like, all right, this is a fit for you. But eventually it would come catching up to me. He's like, no, nah, you got to have a real life outside of this. And I did, you know, always wonder, like, what if I took a different path? Yeah. Where my life would have led. But I just knew, like, I'm not meant for that nine to five. I'm not corporate. And right. at the time, that was where I was meant to be. And yeah. Brought a lot of perspective into just where, you know, where I could improve myself. And I had a lot of help from everyone around, be it the other staff to the entertainers. Because look at it this way. I was a young buck among all those alpha males. Everyone's trying to get a piece of the action and some fun out of it, too. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I end up at another venue, kind of a, a different level. And it was like being in a wolf's den. Like, oh, I don't have a team here. I'm on my own. Yeah. And management here is kind of absentee or we're all on different pages here now. So yeah, it's everyone's, you know, opportunity to sink or swim. And so, you know, how would you say survival of the fittest? Yeah, so that particular club, I know which one you're talking about, um, is definitely more like Wild West style, where the one you had come from was like very corporate procedure, policy. Um, so yeah, that must have been, I mean, but like, welcome to a stripper's life. You know what I mean? Every stripper mm -hmm. you go into is, is different. Um, the, you know. <laughs> I will say this, I had to learn a lot of self-control because, uh, even, you know, the slightest flirtation or, you know, a moment of fun could really be distracting. Plus, it just, you know, would make you look unprofessional at the same time. Everyone just wants to feel humanized at the same time. Yeah. yeah. If a night's rough or if a night's going great or weird. Yeah. And. Yeah, well, we're jammed into yeah. this building together and we're like, ex you know, experiencing things that like the normal average person just doesn't experience. And so like there is a lot of connection between 
the strippers and the staff, but at the same time, I feel like y'all were stealing from us too. And like, yeah. you had to have seen that. You all got minimum wage. We didn't. And you took our money too, because that was the norm. That was, was, there any, was there any point during that time where you realized that or noticed that there was sort of like this unfair behavior towards the strippers versus the rest of the staff? Is that apparent to you? In that particular club, no. Okay. Well, no. Or just Earlier on, not so general. much. Just in general. At the time, not really. Right. It seemed like everyone was willing and knew, like, hey, I make my money, then I stick around. But eventually, if it wasn't working for them, they bailed or they found, you know, somewhere else to work the same business. Right. And the changing of the industry before the classification of employment like everyone just knew like all right this isn't a regular job but you know i can profit here and make the best of it or this is just what works for me at the same time that particular club they encourage us hey no soliciting tips from the girls because okay. you get your tips from us from them through us and you know let the girls keep their money that was their big sell, especially to you uh, entertainers, because their approach was, hey, you know, they're their own businesses. They're doing their work. As long as we get our cut, don't bother them. Let them keep their money. Don't expect any special treatment. And that was mainly the way of also controlling any, you know, illegal activity or side arrangements. They're making sure, hey, don't try anything funny here. Yeah, like if she tips you out more, then you would do things like undermark her dances or something like that. Not that I've ever done anything like that. So I don't that or, <laughs> you know, turn a blind eye to something else that might be going on. Right. But that club was pretty locked down and knew it was like, hey, no funny yeah. business, and on, at least club. in the doors. Yeah, and the other club, the one that you and I worked at together, we weren't allowed to talk to each other. Remember oh, that? Oh, that yeah, that's what I meant at first. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the yeah, there was that time I wanted you to make me a Pantera CD before we even had iPods, and burning CDs was still a thing, and the big boss came through and caught us talking, like, hey, and you were so mad at me. You're like, thanks for embarrassing me. I was like, my bad. <laughs> it's yeah, so, it just happened so quick. It's, well, the, the reason they did that was to avoid – like you said, arrangements. Because at Spirit Rhino, like, I don't care. I don't work anymore. I don't care. They know. I did that so much where I had bouncers in my pocket and they would undermark me. And we stole so much money together from the clubs. And because I would tip them fat as fuck. And I would, <laughs> I would do like 40 dances and be marked for 20. Like, I, <laughs> and on top of that, I was overcharging customers because. I felt like I should have gotten paid more. I didn't like that they took so much money out of my dances. So I figured out how to make more money. Uh, it seems like you guys were free to do that as well. You're not free to do that. If they found out I'd get so fired and so blacklisted, there's no way we were not free. Mm. To do that. No, that was all under the radar secret shit. And like, the, and in those clubs, we were allowed to, to talk to the bouncers. So I stole shit dances left and right. I don't give a fuck to say it now publicly. Um, but yeah, so I guess it's interesting. Like you never really noticed that you were a practicing wage theft. 
And you know what? I think a lot of us didn't even notice until more recently. So one thing real quick on that note. Yeah. Technically, as security, you're not supposed to accept tips. They're just considered as a bribe whenever right. if you hold that guard card. If you took the test, you're supposed to be there to observe and report and not even accept gifts from anyone you might have helped, be it in a club environment or a regular security job. Whereas at the same time, people knew it was like, all right, it's unspoken, but you're here to make money and we'll take care of you as long as you do things our way and keep everyone happy. As part of getting your guard card, that is like an agreement and an understanding that you have that as a security guard, getting your guard card, you cannot accept gifts or money or bribes from other people. And y'all yep. fucking do it anyway, every yep. single night. Wow. I didn't know that because I've never had to get my guard card. Yeah. That's interesting. I was, I want to touch on one other thing, but I don't, sure. we don't have like a ton of time. So I, and it, it's also like kind of a traumatic thing for you. Sorry, everyone. This is a traumatic episode, but, um, and it's in regards to your work as a security guard and the accident that happened. Yep. Okay. Talking about it. Yeah. Let's get some of that out. Cause okay. mainly, it's been overdue. I've been wanting to get it out. And I'm glad you're giving me this opportunity. I didn't really have anyone else in mind that I would share this with, or at least, you know, give this outlet to. Okay. Uh, so that last club I worked, mm-hmm. rough place. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I was at the worst place at the worst time. I was an Uber Lyft driver and transitioning, you know, trying to get into some more legit work or something else altogether. But I was involved in an accident that resulted in a man's death. And I was charged, but I got very blessed in the case. Yeah. I did have to make my amends and pay my debt to society, which is very nearly complete the end of this year. And that's what took me out of security work because some bad choices were made, not just on my part, but altogether that situation finally just boiled over and it was what it was. Yeah. But that last club I worked, you know, I'd broken up fights. I'd stood between people ready to stab each other. Mm. I've seen people drunk driving and, yeah heard stories like not just this club but clubs in general people really being taken advantage of in the worst ways and Mm. it was just it opened up an eye of all right always look for that hidden picture of what's really going on behind someone's words or face because you can't always tell what what's really like in their blood system or in their mind right and it toughened me up in some ways but at the same time I was still very, you know, humble inside and people couldn't handle seeing, you know, oh, he's so nice to us, but yet, or these other people yet to me, he's got like a, you know, he's got a beef with me or something. And I got known for just being very black and white. Okay. One of the manager's words exactly is like, you have no gray area. Well, gray area, it seems to bring on trouble. Right, right. So in that situation... Do you think that 
there like that could have been avoided based on like maybe some training or protocol that could have taken place to de-escalate. Definitely. And I feel some management staff, you know, should be held more responsible for how they run their clubs. Yeah. Which most are, but unfortunately that wasn't the case at that time. Right. Did you feel supported by your employers when you, like when that happened and because it was, Oh no, they wanted, they, they were not happy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It did not end well. Right. But it was like, it was a culmination of things that got you guys to that point. And you weren't the only staff member involved. It just happened to be, you were the one that did the pushing that led to the accident. Oh, it was, it was primarily me. Gotcha. As far as the staff, the other factor was another customer. And so there were two customers in you. Exactly. There was, oh, there were multiple customers in the situation. I don't want to get too much into detail. You don't have to, but my, the reason I'm asking is because where the fuck were they? Where the fuck was your team? Where the fuck was their backup? Exactly. Like my bartender that night was the person that didn't want to you know have my back and that place it was me a dj and a bartender maybe a server or two yeah and then dancers where we were pretty much just left to juggle who's actually in charge or who's responsible for this or or that here in this place and there was always the you know the question of can you just let this let's go, let something go can you let this slide or can you cut this guy some slack and right. they knew me as the guy that went by the book or yeah you know was very more you know trying to stay on my game and make sure that you know, we got through a safe night with no no nonsense yeah whereas a lot of them just wanted to run thing or have their way even though they knew they were doing some things they weren't supposed to yeah Let's say it was kind of very the flip side of where we came, where I met you, where we worked together. Yeah, I know. It's it's complete two different worlds, for sure. When alcohol is available. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The nude club, there was no alcohol, and at this club, there was. So, yeah, alcohol definitely. And then, okay, last question before we move on to our next segment. But, like, Mm -hmm. did you have training, extra training of how to deal with belligerent people on alcohol? Yes, when you do say, like, your food handler certification or your alcohol safety training, Mm -hmm. they explain to you, you know, remember, always keep calm and try to de-escalate situations because you don't know how intoxicated a person is or how they're going to react. And amazingly, this club took it very serious at a time. Like I want everyone to have this alcohol safety certification if they're going to work here. So we did the, you know, <clears throat> training videos online and got the piece of paper just said, okay, this is valid for however long and present it to any jobs that you apply to or you work with that provide alcohol. Yeah. Just as an assurance that, oh. Hey, these kind of things were explained to you since yeah. you're going to work in this environment. And it applies to, regular retailers as well bar and food no adult entertainment yeah 
that, that's just funny to me that they trained you how to deal with people on alcohol, but not how to deal with the people that you are there to protect. Yeah. What the kind of ass backward shit is that? Oh, Sean. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. Oh, the bouncer tip. Most importantly, don't be the hero. Think of yourself because eventually just so much keeps coming back at you and people will depend on you way more and expect more out of you and count on you for more than what you're supposed to be there for. And in a sense, you got to let things run their course. You can't fix every situation. Okay. Especially if you tried to help or explain things to both sides of a conflict. Eventually you just have to let it be. Yeah, it is what it uh, is. For customers, if you're really going to tip a bouncer, make it worth their time. Just grease it into their palm. Don't say I will tip you. Like that's just a dead giveaway to anybody oh you're trying to kiss my ass you want something yeah just tip don't say you will yeah and say what you want if we can make it happen we will if yeah. it's reasonable you just might get what you ask for and be nice about it that's the main thing i can tell yeah to entertainers to customers to security providers just don't be difficult everyone's there on the same mission and in that environment the smoother we can make it work hey things yeah, happen better exactly just be nice and don't try to hide things be honest yeah. <laughs> keep the right people in the know get ready for our rapid fire question round it's time for four for one First question, what's your nipple hair care situation like? Pluck, wax, or shave? Uh, just a quick trim. <laughs> what's something you always have to remind yourself of? Huh? <laughs> um, stop questioning things too much. Nice. If yeah. you had 24 hours to be invisible, what would you do? Where would you go? Oh, man. If I had access? Yeah. Sure. If that's how you interpret the question. Oh, man. It's like I've thought of that one before, but I don't think I could name just one. You got to pick one. You got to pick it fast. Remember that scene in Naked Gun in the beginning when he's Jenna just, uh, or not him, but it's the point of view of the car cruising okay. and crashing into place, and he yeah. happens to drive into a lady's locker room somewhere? Yes, I remember. Yeah. I'll just give you that answer off the yeah. top of my head because that's I one drive, of the most vivid things in my head. Drive a cop car through the ladies' dressing room. Got it. <laughs> All right, and last one. You just formed a cult and people are super into it. What's your slogan? Oh, that's going to be a secret that I take to death unless you're part of that cult. <laughs> Only one other person would know that slogan right now and that's going to stay that way for the time you're being. A secret? You're not going to tell us your secret cult slogan? It's not a secret if I tell you. So I'm guessing you're not going to tell me. Are you going to tell me? You're not telling me. 
That one I won't disclose. You're gonna for keep now. to yourself. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's fine. I said there's only one rule. I said it. So it's just interesting that you actually have an answer for that because I do not have an answer for that. I don't think the normal person does, but that's fine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with cults. Um, Granted, the slogan has had its variations due to the pandemic we've adjusted it <laughs> well i hope that you'll tell me your cult slogan when you try to invite me into the cult i'll be very offended if you don't invite me into your cult because i'd be a great cult leader and follower so, i think we'll be on yeah. those same missions um so normally i end the show with uh telling people how they can or having the guests say how they can follow them um because usually we're all on instagram and we want people to follow us do you want people to find you on Instagram, Sean? Oh, uh, not particularly <laughs> right now. I'm pretty boring and simple, and social media still blows my mind as much as I'm addicted to it and music. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for just being so open and candid and, like, telling your point of view. I could imagine this would be kind of stressful because this show is all about strippers and strippers' rights and we're against the man and all that shit. And so basically you're on the other side of that. So I really appreciate you like having the courage to not only be open, but to like have me ask like really difficult questions. Like, did you know that you were fucking up? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I no, really I'm honored you chose me and gave me this chance. Cause uh, you know, now that I'm pretty much out of that industry and I'm just back to being a, you know, a patron, it's still a whole nother world again yeah. in a sense. Yeah, your um, eyes are different than, yeah. It's very enlightening to get to speak with you guys, you know. Yeah. Personally, aside from fun time and at least be there to support you guys' causes now that I know, like, hey, I can't be living like that either. I can't be yeah. messing around in the bars and chasing you girls so much. Got to find real life and think about myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone that's listening. Um, and be sure Hi, everybody. Thank bye you. Everyone. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday for Yas, a stripper podcast. Bye. Hey, guys, I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Yes, a Stripper Podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to Yes, a Stripper Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.